0: Certainly with the murder of George Floyd. Yeah. I, 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 the dam broke. And, um, and and so it's been even just in that short time period, a personal mission to better understand my role in this society and better understand the role of race in our society. And to have more of these conversations to challenge more of my preconceived notions and biases to address Things that are holding me back from being a better person.
1: This is Through a Different Set of Eyes,
0: a podcast that aims to tackle preconceived notions, address life's challenges, and spur new thought through honest and sometimes tough conversations. I'm Jason. And I'm Eddie. And we're just two regular guys, but from
1: very different backgrounds.
0: So join us now as we seek to examine the human condition through a different set of eyes. But I have a question for you before Mm. we move on. Mm
1: -hmm. Your background is obviously a lot different than mine. Granted. Now I want to know, like, what your relationship with race was like, because I feel like you know this is we've we've talked a lot about where I'm coming from in my experiences, mm-hmm. but you being a white man in America, I wanna know like growing up, what was your relationship with mm-hmm. people of different races? But also how did that, uh, how were you raised to view those interactions? Did you interact with a lot of different races or black people growing up? And and uh, what what informs the person you are right now? I'd love to know that.
0: Yeah. It, it's a great question. And thank you for answering it. You give me the opportunity to, to, to speak to it. Um, I mean, I could probably answer this question from a number of different angles. Right. Um, I think historically, if, if we're going to go back to my upbringing and then beyond, hmm. um, I have to face that with some honesty and, right. so, and some vulnerability Okay. to share with you that, um, I've made some mistakes in my life, mm. um, and I am I, I, I am a very different person today than I was growing up. Mm. I'm not a big fan of saying, "Oh, but it, the times were different," right? right? right like right. I, I think that that's an excuse that people put on it, right? Right, or that that the give them a past for uh, a pass for their past behavior but I also don't think that I can engage in today's conversation mm. and become a part of the solution unless I admit where I was a part of the problem. Mm. Okay. Right. So um, this is, this is scary for me right now having this conversation because mm. I'm going to admit that I have done some bad things growing up okay. and in my time. Okay. I lived in a world, as I was saying before, that was predominantly white. Right. I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Right. Right. Um, Cincinnati in and of itself is a pretty, or was a pretty segregated segregated town when I grew up. Right. Um, there were quote unquote bad neighborhoods, mm. which of course means black. Mm. And then there are white neighborhoods, right. And the suburbs where we all lived. Right. Um, I did have, uh, I, I think we had eight or 10, um, black students in our class right. of 120 something. um, So the, the mix was very different, um, obviously predominantly white. Um, and I, I had good relationships Mm -hmm. with everybody. I mean, I was, I got along with pretty much everybody, uh, growing up, but I do remember, and this is very, very common with white people, the concept of having different unique conversations when you're only in a room with white people versus when you're around people of color. Right, right. You tell inappropriate jokes, you tell race-based jokes, a black guy, white guy, and a Mexican walk into a bar. Right. And then what unfolds are stereo racial stereotypes mm. and, and uh, prejudices and nasty things mm. follow that as a punchline. Right. 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 And you may have seen comedians do this before, but, um, and it's not going to translate well on a podcast versus visual, but how does every black joke start off? Right. It's a white guy looking around the room and make sure there's no black people around. Mm. That's the world I grew up in. Right. Mm. It's the, you can say these things because it's only white people in the room. Right. 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 So what we were doing is we were indulging in our racism. Mm. uh, When people of color weren't around. It was okay to mock, to make fun, to tell jokes, to to even say flat out racist things. And that, that occurs today everywhere. I, I promise you when there is an absence of color in a room, right? Right. Uh, and you have a couple of bad eggs, uh, they're, they're more apt to share their, their strong opinions or to tell these types of jokes. It happens in the boardroom. It happens in the teachers' lounge, it happens right. everywhere. Let me ask you this: I'm I mean, going to
1: cut you off, but um, why is that? I mean, given the fact that is it the fact that you grew up in a society that was predominantly white? Do you can do you, do you have some way of looking back and saying where is the genesis of that? Or is it just something that, because I think, I don't know whether this is inherently part of who we are as human beings and that when we are in a room and it's just us, we are more comfortable with mm-hmm. certain things. But I want to know, like, from your perspective growing up, do you feel like it's because of the your environment at the time uh, or how, what, what what made that...
0: I, I think, I think if you really got underneath all the layers, right? I think what you would find is that just a, as humans, as, as being the, the creatures with instincts right. that, that we do, um, I think that there is an inherent us versus them mentality that drives a large portion of our actions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the reason that the janitor comes up and talks to you. Right. When he sees another black person in the room because there's safety in it, because there's an us versus them mentality that always exists. Right. So that's one part of it. Right. But then why tell the jokes when you're alone? When when it's just us and there's no them around, why tell the jokes? And then that comes into establishing power and establishing and reinforcing a power structure that benefits us. Interesting. Right. That is what white privilege is. And we are participants in continuing white privilege and an institutional racism that allows us to remain in power and we do that right by telling these types of jokes to denigrating people of color amongst other whites right because it reinforces our societal constructs that we're better than people of color i think mm. i think now you couldn't tell me that 8 year old me was telling race jokes, right? Because I was trying to reinforce societal structures <laughs> that allowed me to, to maintain right. privilege, right? Like that wasn't right. a motivating factor, but if, if I had to psychoanalyze why that occurs either at a young age or an old age, that's what I believe is happening there is that we as a society have taught each other that that's okay. And that, that is how we reinforce these these structures between us.
1: Was it something that you felt like, okay, let's talk about you, how you were raised, like the values that your parents gave you, mm-hmm. right? Because I think um, one of the things I do with my kids, I always treat, uh, I always make sure that we are all the same mm-hmm. is what I teach them mm-hmm. that you know we treat everybody fairly. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from. That's the basis. Mm-hmm. Or foundational aspect of any relationship you're going to have mm-hmm. with anybody. So, talk about like how you were raised in, within the construct of the society that you came from. So, yeah. like, how were you? raised individually with at home.
0: Yeah. Um, there's nothing shocking here, right? Like I, I also had good parents who were very kind hearted, very loving, very accepting. Um, you know, I, I, I think the old phrase was we were colorblind. We don't see color. Right. Right. I now being older, realize the the challenges in that we can talk about what that means in just a few minutes. But, um, I was raised in, in a good family that, that had and brought forth good values. Right. That said, Mm. um, and again, we're kind of getting off into a, a side topic, but there's, mm. there's, you can't just be not racist. Mm. You have to be anti-racist. Mm. Right. So let's, let's, let's first talk about some definitions. Right, right, okay. Right. So here's, here's what my recent learnings have taught me. Right. First of all, all human beings have bias. Yeah. Right? We, we all have bias. It's a natural part of the way we, That's we, right. we live. Right? right. If I say to you, Texan you have a picture of what that texan yeah, looks like before definitely. i give you any other i you probably even know how they vote right like oh, yeah. <laughs> but but you now now if i say wisconsin right? right like you have a different picture if i say san diego you've got a different picture right, right just right. one just even the location can give you a biased picture of what you know a, a person could be so that's natural right so that's what bias is everybody has bias everybody has bias right prejudice is when you take action on that bias Mm. Okay. That's when I see a person of color and I may, I change my behavior because of that, whether that's crossing the street, whether that's not holding the door open for them, mm. whether that's holding a door open for a white person. Cause I feel comfortable that they're white. Right. That's prejudice. Racism is, as I understand the definition of it mm. is prejudice being prejudice from a position of power. Mm. And so when we talk about institutional racism, what we're talking about is the societal structures that allow for white people to remain in a position of privilege. Right. And disadvantage people of color. It is a institutional racism is the reason that you said the, the sentence earlier, the color of my skin is a problem Mm. that you even have that perception is caused by institutional racism. Right. 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 So, uh, getting back to the core of your question, which is how was I raised and, and what were the values that were put on me that, that, you know, might have been race related. Right. My parents were good people and they, they taught me to be a good person and to treat others equally. Right. But we never talked about race. Never happened. Never. Never really. Not that I can recall. It's not like there was ever a a time where we had to sit down and talk about black versus white. Right, right. like, if anything, there was always positive things said. Mm. But we never faced the question. We never talked about the Rodney King trial. Interesting. Right? Which... Also, ironically enough, they called the Rodney King trial, yet it was the four cops who were in trial, so it should have been their names, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, there was a complete tangent, but uh, we never we never talked about those issues. Right. So I was never, never had the opportunity to learn or better understand or comprehend race-related issues growing up. Right. Um, I was not in, encouraged to go play with people of... different skin tone than me. We, Mm. we not, there there wasn't a lot of options, but it wasn't like my parents sat out to say, Hey, I want to make sure that you have a diverse view of life. I want to set out to make sure that you, um, truly, truly treat other people with, with, uh, equality. Mm. Um, so I didn't have that learning experience. Right. That said, um, in, like I said, I, I get along with pretty much everyone. And so I had friendships uh, with people of all colors through, through high school. And then when I went to college, uh, at Ohio state university, the Ohio state university, the, the um, I remember attending a, Oh, what do you call it? Uh, it was right before classes start kind of a, um, not an onboarding, but orientation orientation. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I remember attending an orientation. There were several of them, but one of them was on Greek life, and uh, for the, the the presenters for the fraternities were these two white dudes in khakis with white sneakers, polo shirts, and uh, white caps. You, you couldn't have gotten any whiter than these two dudes, right? Like they were, they were the quit, like they, you could tell they really just enjoyed ranch dressing, right? Right, They, they, they they were as white as white came. Um, and I remember just thinking that this doesn't feel right to me. Like this, this isn't necessarily what I want. And I had a dorm mate, uh, join up with another fraternity. Mm. Um, and he invited us to a party And at the fraternity I joined, Theta Xi, there were um, a huge mix of different backgrounds, different skin tones, different ethnicities. Um, And I was like, this, this is an accepting place. This is the group of people that I want to be around because this is what's gonna make me feel most comfortable. So I did seek out, right? Right, right. Um, I did seek out that diversity and want to put myself into this place where I could learn from people's experiences that are different than mine. And again, I don't know that m- my motivation was as articulate of, around that idea right. then as it okay. is now, but it, I remember it being a driving factor. Mm. And I'm still very close with these these gentlemen today. And um, you know, I, I formed some great friendships over the years through through my fraternity and through that experience. Um, but it didn't stop. It didn't stop the, the inappropriate language. Mm. It didn't stop um, my being able to take advantage of my white privilege, Mm. even unconsciously. Um, I actually don't know that I embarked on this journey of, attempting to have a deeper understanding of the black experience right until much later in life. Um, certainly with the murder of George Floyd, yeah. I, 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 the dam broke. And, um, and, and so it's been even just in that short time period, a personal mission to better understand my role in this society mm. and better, understand the role of race in our society and to have more of these conversations to challenge more of my preconceived notions and biases to address uh, things that are holding me back from being a better person. Right. I'll give you another example. Very recent example. Yeah. Um, My wife and I, in, oh, I'm, I'm guessing here, 2013 or 14. Right. Went to Jamaica for uh, our anniversary vacation. I think I remember that. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, while we're... Every vacation we go on, we always buy a magnet, right? With the, with the location. And not the one that has the sticker of, like, the location that, the, you, you know, slapped on it because it was made in China. <laughs> right. But, like, one that you know that was made there. Right. And so the magnet that we brought back from... Jamaica was of two Jamaican dudes Mm. with like big smiles and big, bright eyes and long hair and like had like, like little sandals like dangling down from them. Right. And we brought that home. We slapped it on the fridge. It was there for years. You've been over my house and you may or may not have seen it. Right. Um, but in more recent times, as I'm reflecting on, what race is in America and how we perceive each other and what are the, what are the unspoken structures and assumptions that we put on each other? And how do we reinforce that with our behaviors and our interactions? And I, I started to see that magnet on my fridge in a different way. And even though, even though it was made by Jamaicans Mm -hmm. and was sold as a, as a knickknack or sold as a, Hey, take a piece of our country home. I also saw it as a characterization, a, a, a stereotype Mm. um, of who the people are in Jamaica. Right. And a way to make white people feel good that they went to like a black country. Right. Like it just, Mm. it, it just, it, 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 I then started to see it not as a point of pride, but as a, a piece that I was taking away from Jamaicans. Right. And so we threw it away. Wow. Like I, I, it was something that we needed to get out of our lives because it wasn't representative of our value set anymore. Um, and that small thing, man, it's that small, tiny thing. And I'm sure some people would be listening to this and be like, you're ridiculous. (laughs) Freaking magnet. Right. But the, but the reality is, is it's symbolic of bigger, broader problems that yeah. we have in our society. Yeah. It, it, it was a device that allowed me to view Jamaicans as, um, beneath me. Mm. Right. And, and I obviously never consciously thought that, but it reinforced that behavior that these are just characters. Right. Right. right? right. And so we had to get that out of the house. So there are things like that. When, when right. we talk about, when we talk about, um, progress, individual mm-hmm. progress. Um, it is a constant journey. Yeah. And so I I'm, I'm reading more and more books. I'm having more and more of these conversations. I'm attending more and more community events. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to become more involved in the community, but with every positive step I take, right. I learn a little bit more about myself and my, my place in this broader spectrum of race right? right. and, uh, ways to improve it. And, and so let me, let me double down on that piece. Right. One of the concepts that I've recently been reading about is the good, bad binary okay. as, as it comes to race. Okay. So this was, this was new to me. So the good, bad binary is something that happened around the time of civil rights, oh. the civil rights movement. And it was this idea that, um, you know, only those who make discriminatory discriminatory only those that show extreme prejudice, right? Right. Yeah. I got to learn how to talk. I'm going to host a podcast. Um, only those that show extreme prejudice or outwardly show it or act on it. Right. Are bad. Everybody else therefore is by default. Good. Mm -hmm. Right. Just because I don't say something racist, I'm automatically good. And therefore I don't have to address racism. And I have some family members that are stuck in this rut. Right. Uh, okay. They're, they, they're like, oh, well I'm friends with a black person. Yeah. I once got a black person a job. I've heard that so many. How men. could I be racist? I'm yeah. colorblind. I have a family member who is black. Yeah. Therefore I can't be racist. Cool. So can we talk about the racism that exists in our country? No. Cause talking about it just makes it worse. See, right. Yep. And so this good, bad binary shuts down the conversation around race. Yeah. It makes, it makes some white folk, uh, uh, uncomfortable and they don't want to address it or they don't want to acknowledge it or they don't want to look into the nuances of it because they don't want to discover that they've been wrong. Yeah. They don't want to discover that they've been out of place or they don't want that vulnerability. They don't want that guilt. They don't want that. They don't want to be exposed. There's, there's fear around it. Yeah. Uh, It's called Uncomfortable Conversations for a freaking reason, right? Like, we're not here to to coddle. We're here to get into the nitty-gritty. And through this exploration, you also, the irony is, is is that when you accept that you've made mistakes, own them, ask for feedback, continue to challenge yourself and continue to educate yourself, you actually start to not only grow but you feel more comfortable with facing the uncomfortable
1: but isn't that the challenge though is to get people to a position where they're ready to do that because you know because i think it takes a lot to tell yourself that and be honest with yourself that you're not or to look at yourself in the mirror and say uh I need to. I need to get better at this. I need to better understand this for me to be part of the solution and not part of the problem, mm-hmm. right? Because I think one of the things I I have a friend um, used to be a uh, friend, or I consider them as a friend, but and they they they're probably when you look at them on the surface, you understand that you look at them and you're like, this is a good guy, like a good guy. Um, But I think further and further, especially with the politics now, what I understood over time is that there are things about themselves that they don't see or understand, especially when it comes to matters of race, especially now with the current occupant in the White House. Mm -hmm. That has exposed a lot of those differences between individuals. Mm -hmm. I think there are lots of people whose friendships have stopped because of this current political climate. But and, and I think what but but one of the things I know for a fact is that they this person, um, while good on the surface, has not fully done what you just described of that look at themselves and say, Okay, what is it about me that I need to do so I can start knowing and understanding better where the other side and how they view things. Yeah, and I think that's tough. So my question for you is: Let's 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 look at this from this perspective. As as a white man, what do you think that, or what do you think white people in general, or or people in general, need to do more of for us to get to a point where we can start having these constructive conversations and probably possibly moving this conversation forward to get to a state of. Understanding and 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 um, I guess shifting of this country and all people around the world from a conversation about you and I are different to a conversation about we are all human. Yeah, us work together.
0: Um, <clears throat> it, it it is impossible to separate politics and race. Mm. but I don't want to go too far down the the politics conversation because I I see that as a separate episode. (laughs) We can, we can speak for hours on that one as well. True, But there is, um, there is a, a common element to, to these two conversations and it's identity. Right. Right. How do we identify? Um, skin is the, is the easiest skin color is the easiest. Right. Right. Um, but gender, um, where you're from, where you live now. um, you know, what your, what your value sets claim to be. Right. Right. Um, I find that with politics that, uh, you know, most people actually don't look at or understand the individual policies that are being represented or put in place by actual politicians. Right. It's more about what is the national conversation around the two political parties. And so people get into this mindset that, um, this is how I identify, this is how I see myself and therefore no one really looks at themselves and thinks I'm a bad person. Mm, Right. mm. So if I'm a, if I'm a flag wave and gun toting, uh, you know, uh, 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 Republican or conservative, uh, who believes in going to church and believes in a strong family unit and believes in, um, uh, you know, working hard to, to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. These are things, these are ideologies that I've, I've wrapped myself around. Now, if you come in and challenge that in any way, shape or form, right. Um, you're not just threatening the concept or threatening the, the, the perception you're threatening who I am as an individual. And that's where the, that's where the conflict starts to happen. That's where the conversation breaks down because they're not taking the time to self analyze and to compartmentalize that there may be an area of an opportunity to, to improve. Right. Okay. So now that, that, that was a little bit farther into the political spectrum to bring it back to the topic of race and like, where do we go with it and how do we, how do we improve? Um, Like I said, the the dam broke a bit for me with the the murder of George Floyd. Right, right. And it broke because I heard my friends of color Mm. tell me how tired they were, how exhausted they were of having to go through this time and time and time and time again. And because they are my friends, because they are people that I care about, Because um, there are people that I I want to look after. Um, I started to empathize and not feel their pain, but to understand why they were feeling pain. Mm. And through that then came conversation. Right. What is needed to fix these things? So then it became about listening those that listening to those that I cared about. Right. right? I see that there's a problem. I see that people are hurting. Now I need to listen to those people who are hurting. Right. That's step one. Listen, Mm -hmm. listen, listen, listen. Right. Right. And what I heard was being asked of me and other white people Mm -hmm. is that we need you to continue to listen to us. Right. We need you to start to understand which is tough work because we're asking you white people to self-educate, to read a book, mm. to, to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone, a person of color, right? to try to understand the experience that we're going through. And then we need you to start to be a part of the solution, not the problem. So Eddie, I think that that's a a good stopping point uh, for this episode. Um, We'll leave a little bit extra for the the coming episodes in the series, but uh, I want to thank you for sharing your story today and your background and giving us the opportunity to to dive deeper into some of these tougher topics.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, that's the whole point of this is learning from each other. And I want to thank you for being open to talk about this on a deeper level and us just
0: going into it. But most of all, I want to thank you, the listeners out there. Please do us a big, big favor and make sure that you hit the subscribe button. We want you, we want to invite you back into the family and be a part of this conversation on an ongoing basis. Uh, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. We would like to know what questions you have, what topics you'd like us to dive into, what your reflections are on the conversations that we've been having. So feel free to find us on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at eyes. That's D-I-F-F set of eyes or you can email us directly at diff at gmail.com
1: that's right and we want you to connect we want you to talk to us we want you to share your thoughts your experiences and if you have any questions let us know you never know we may be coming to you we may reach out to you we may be reading your stuff on our air on the next episode so thank you so much for listening
0: until next time
1: until next time